mind is a terrible thing to waste. You cannot define yourself in reference to other external coordinates. You must define yourself internally with your relationship with a higher entity. Stop it! This week on Mind Matters, it's time to turn down the noise and listen to what really matters. Join counselor and author Rita Schulte and me, Richard Beatty, in renewing your mind because your mind matters. So come on in and join us. Rita Schulte, I am so much looking forward to our talk with Courtney Ellis. Her current book, Present, The Gift of Being All In, Right Where You Are, has elements of devotion, peaceful contemplation, and with a sense of humor and joy. Courtney, welcome to Mind Matters. Thank you so much for having me, Rita. Okay, so usually, like as an author myself, I know there's usually a personal uh, element when a person writes a book. Uh, So was that the case for you? I mean, what prompted you to write this book? Well, my husband and I and our children had moved multiple, multiple, multiple times in a short amount of time. And we we realized just how exhausting that was for all of us. And we wanted to make a real go of staying put in one place. And as we were making that decision, the pandemic started. And suddenly it's right. not that we were moving, it's that we weren't even going to Walmart. So <laughs> that's right. Oh my gosh, Courtney. So God really led us into this journey of what it is to be present, right where we are, to bloom where we're planted for as long as God allows us to be Mm. in that place. So it's a little bit about mindfulness and contemplation. It's a little bit about accepting our limits. We can't be all things to all people and be at every place at every time. Um, And it's a lot about the grace of God when we slow down enough to be able to receive that from him. Mm. So the heart of the gospel is God's call to each of us to come home and to find a home with one another in God. What do you mean by that? Yeah, we see it all over scripture that people are longing for a home. And in in the Old Testament, that often looks like come home to this promised land. But in the New Testament, it becomes more clear that our home is in Christ. So, you know, one of my best friends is career military, and she moves every six months. And she said, what I want to learn is how to find that secure home in Jesus. So even though I know I have to leave in three months, my home goes with me because God goes with me. Mm. Yeah, that's really important, you know, because I've had friends that have moved quite a lot, as you were saying, you know, about your own moves, some like 19 times. And after a while, that gets really old. And, you know, it's hard to keep starting over, especially as we age. So what do you think about that? How do we get motivated to stay engaged after so much change? It's really difficult. And our entire culture is primed for distraction. So we distract ourselves with television and with media. We distract ourselves by looking for the next best thing and the next best school, the next best church, the next best place to live, the next best job. And what happens then is we're on this treadmill of the next best thing, rather than realizing that what God has set before us is often exactly what we need. And it's often just enough for what we need in this season. And so to get off that treadmill is to begin this journey of trusting God in more deep and profound ways that what God gives me is enough for today. It's daily bread. It's not a storehouse worth of grain, but it's daily bread right in front of me, right where God has put me. 
Yeah, because I think for a lot of us, we're always looking for whatever over there, right? If I just have this, or if I just had that, or, you know, all of that, it's over there instead of, you know, and mindfulness tells us to stay in the present moment. That's really the place that we can live the Christian life. If we live in the past with regrets, you know, we're going to feel, you know, all agitated and worked up about that. And if we live in the future, we're living in fear and anxiety, the what ifs. But really, I, I believe that the Christian life could be realized only in the moment where Christ is life. Yeah, it's really true. It's it's all we have in a way, mm-hmm. right? We remember the past and we hope for the future and we plan for the future. But really, all we have is this moment right here before us. That's the only thing we can control, influence, rest in. Mm-hmm. So you say present is a story of finding God through the blessing of stability, the grace of limits and the joy of presence. What does it mean to you to be fully present? I love that question because I think it's universal, but it's also very personal. Um, I think being fully present is resting in what God has for you in the moment rather than, like you said, thinking about the past or fearing the future, being right here, right now. Kids really are great at this. They live in now time. The only thing happening is what's happening right now. I I read a study of babies teething, and it said that if we did teething as adults, we would go crazy from the pain. But the only thing that works is babies don't remember. They wake up and they're like, oh, it's a new day. My mouth kind of hurts, but they're not afraid of it continuing to hurt forever. And they don't remember that it hurt yesterday. And there's there's mercy in that. So to be able to live fully in now time, to trust God in this moment and to begin to just open our eyes to what's right around us. Mm-hmm. Are there birds in the yard? Is there a neighbor who's in need of a meal? Is there bad weather today? And what does that mean? Maybe it means God wants us to take a slower day or to stay, stay home or to shovel a neighbor's driveway. It's accepting as gift what God sets before us in any given moment. And so that means we have to have awareness, right? I call it the art of noticing. And so I like to teach people to be noticers, body, soul, and spirit. How did God use this whole thing in your life with the move and with everything else that was behind that in your life, other moves, whatever? Yeah, I'm a person who likes to go very, very fast and to be ready for the next thing. And there's always, right, there's always a project simmering on the back burner or something that I'm thinking about and I want to get this done. And I realized it was taking me away from my kids, from my vocation and ministry, from my marriage, from my friendships, because I was always looking at that far horizon. And Mm -hmm. so to start looking, not always at that planning is important and dreams are good, but to not always have your eyes on that high horizon, but have your eyes on what's right before you. Mm -hmm. And that's a tricky thing. And it takes some training. It takes some patience with yourself. It takes some trial and error. I found one of the best tools for practicing presence is getting out in nature Mm -hmm. without your phone or put it in your pocket and just see what's there. What's blooming? What's sprouting? What birds does God set before you in your path? And it's a real way of grounding yourself in the presence and connecting you through creation to the creator. Yeah. So I right there with you, I was going to ask you, do you have practical tools for people in the book, things that they can literally, you know, put in their toolbox? And I love that because I teach, you know, people to be noticers and we use uh, a lot of the five senses to do so. So, you know, name, you know, five things you can see, four things you can hear, three things you can smell, two things you can touch, you know, and on and on. And I think, that trains our brain because our brain is usually, you know, 
our neural networks have been wired much, much differently for most of us, right? We're, we don't even finish one thing when we're speeding through the next. And we're blowing through life so fast, you know, we're not paying attention even to what we're paying attention to. So I think, you know, nature's a great way to do that. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways that people can do that. And I think people need the, that instruction. So do you have other mindfulness techniques in that in the book so people can kind of get some other things to do? Absolutely. Yeah, there there are lots of practical tips, things like um, I think we often try to overcome our, our addiction to technology with our own willpower. But the fact is there are millions of engineers on the other side of that screen that get paid if we click and if we scroll. And so it's not a fair fight. Um, so we've instituted things in our family, like we have a, a lock box with a timer on it and we put our phones in that for several hours during the day. And then we can't check them. You can't get the box open without a hammer and we don't want to use a hammer on the box. So little things like that, just doing one thing at a time rather than I'm watching television and I'm on my phone and I'm also answering an email and I'm eating a snack and I'm trying to break up a fight between my children. <laughs> To try to give yourself that restfulness, because like you said, it does start to slowly retrain your brain. We all have a lot of bad habits we've picked up just by being in the world, by being people who live in the 21st century. It's not our fault. Some of it's work-related. Some of it's just the society we live in. But to retrain our, our brains to those slower, more mindful patterns. And the surprising thing is, the more you do that the more rested you feel, the more connected you feel to those who are around you, to your own body, the more connected you feel to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it becomes this thing that's almost, it's so alluring, you want more of it. And then the the train of goodness just starts to take over. And it's not an I should, it's I want to, I long for. That's great, because I think uh, most of us get addicted to chaos. Yes. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I've lived a pretty chaotic life and I think you you just don't know any other way to live until you start percent. yeah, realizing some of these truths and and maybe, you know, you get burned out, right? And yes. then you're open to another way. Yes. Um and so present is a invitation to a deeper, richer and quieter life with God. And I love that because part of what I want to do as a Christian therapist is to help people hear from God. And the only way that happens, you know, for me to, to to talk about it to them is if they practice some of the spiritual disciplines. And I know everybody's like, ah, spiritual disciplines, that's just another checkbox. But things like silence and solitude, right? Sit with the Bible verse, you know, instead of just reading it in two seconds and blowing it off, sit with the Bible verse for a week and chew on it. What's God trying to show me through this? Father, what do you want me to know about this? How does this apply to my own life? But I think the minute people hear, you know, quiet life with God, they start freaking out, right? Uh, they believe all kinds of things. Well, maybe God won't show up if I do a quiet time, or maybe God isn't interested in my problems, or I can't sit by myself, you know, uh, my mind will wander, or, you know, I, I just, it, it's just, I've tried it and it just doesn't work. Yeah, what do you say to all that? No, I think you're you're right. And and spiritual disciplines have gotten a bad rap within the church because for for some of us, it feels like a way to earn God's love. Like if I'm spiritual enough, God will be pleased with me. If I follow my pattern of quiet times, if I make sure I pray this much, and that's not what it is. It's a way of developing awareness. So we uh, we become through these spiritual practices more in tune with what God is already doing. I 
during the pandemic, I became a bird watcher and now I'm a very obsessive bird watcher. But what's amazing about birds is they have always been there and they've always been singing and they've always been in my yard. I never noticed. And that's what spiritual practices are like. Oh my goodness, God is at work in my neighborhood. God is at work at my workplace. God is at work in my school. I never noticed. But mm. spiritual practices help to develop this awareness. Our our church is going through some spiritual practices right now corporately as a congregation. And one woman shared this story with me. She said the 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 prompt was to sit in quiet prayer for three minutes. And she said, I've never done that before. That felt weird to me. And her husband died last year. And in, in the days before this practice, she had lost her wedding ring and she had searched the house. She turned it upside down looking for her wedding ring. She's like, so I sat in my rocking chair because the pastors told me to, to be quiet for three minutes. And I said, okay, God, I'm here. She said, and this has never happened to me before, but I heard from God, Judy, look under your nightstand. She's like, so I got a flashlight and I looked under my nightstand and there was my wedding ring. And the next day I was going to vacuum and that wedding ring would have been gone. And she said, I felt so loved, so seen in my grief, in my sadness. She's like, this weird spiritual practice thing you told me to do is really great. <laughs> that is so awesome. You know, it, you were talking about, um, you know, how how are we aware of this and what's God up to, you know, in our neighborhoods and our in our lives personally, in our relationships. And it made me think of uh, Henry Blackaby's book, Donkeys, years ago called Experiencing God. I don't know if you ever read it, or I taught that Bible study a few times. And the whole idea was, you know, joining God in whatever he's up to. But you can't do that if you don't notice, if you don't slow yes. it down long enough to notice what he's up to in your own life, in the life of your neighbor and the life of, you know, whoever. So yes. I think that's really, really important. And I think there's so much of a benefit for us, not only a health benefit, because we're all living um, very stressed and all of that stress isn't doing our physical bodies any good. And I think because we're blowing through it so fast, we don't even know how stressed we are. Like, you know, like, okay, you know, are your shoulders like up to your ears, like earrings, because you're sitting at the computer and you're all, you know, tense and stressed out? Uh, relax yourself, you know, so I teach people, you know, how to breathe and how to do a body scan, relax their muscles. You know, we've just lost sight of so much of that. That's so important. Absolutely. And it's amazing when you walk deeper into these spiritual practices, at first you feel, you often will feel grumpy because it's hard. And then you will feel this sense of peace. We we keep a family Sabbath. We're my husband and I both work at a church. So it's not Sundays. They make us work Sundays. Um, but we keep a family Sabbath on another day. And the first two hours we Eugene Peterson actually calls it Sabbath sickness, that you feel like a little bit ill almost because you're grumpy and you miss your email and you're not sure what to do with yourself. And then by the end of the day, we end up saying we couldn't survive without this. Like we remember that the work is the Lord's. We remember that we are some of God's creatures and we can rest and God calls us to rest. Yeah. That's what's important is God calls us to rest and he calls yes. us to rest for a reason. So that's beautiful that you guys have uh, instituted that in your family and really like adhere to it. Not as, oh, well, this is some kind of punishment we got to do kids. This is, you know, this is teaching me good practices to uh, honor my body, to honor the a whole idea of, you know, Sabbath rest. So very, very cool. If you have young kids, I recommend donuts. It helps it go down well for the kids. 
<laughs> they know Sabbath involves donuts. Donuts are popsicles we do on Sabbath. And it's not a rigid sit there and, you know, think about your sins 24 hours. Eugene Peterson talks about the Sabbath as a day for praying and playing. And so we go outside a lot and we hike and we bake. You know, it's not just sit still with your Bible. Sabbath is a gift to be able to, you know, if you spend a lot of time working with your mind, spend some time working with your hands on Sabbath, bake something or knit something or do a puzzle. If you spend time working with your hands, sit and read a book on Sabbath and, and let your mind rest in that way. It's it's such a gift. We we could not survive without it. Do you talk about that in the book? I do. Okay, great. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful tips for people to, you know, for a takeaway. Um, you know, you talk about blooming where you're planted for God even if he calls us to do something that we don't like. So you said, even for your own life, right? When we first started this whole idea, um, the move, all of that, it was probably really uncomfortable. You probably, you know, I mean, did you just jump right into it with this attitude of I'm going to bloom or or was it kind of, you know, clawing your way to that place? No, I'm I'm perfect at everything always the first try. <laughs> no, it's a process, you know, and it's a process we are still learning and really committing to a particular community is uncomfortable because no community is perfect. And I grew up in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, September in Southern California, everything is on fire. And I'm like, I want to leave. I don't want to be here. I miss my trees and my apples and my, yeah. you know, and, and to realize that no place short of heaven is a perfect place. And God has called us to a particular people and to wrestle with that and to do it well and do it poorly and learn from both and keep walking forward. Yeah, because it's going to be difficult sometimes, right? And a I lot think of the time. Yeah, a lot of the time. And so do you think, you know, your attitude going in has a big part in this? I mean, we can we can say, okay, well, I'm resigned to this and kind of stomp our feet and fold our arms, or we can, you know, just relinquish it to God with open hands. Yeah, I love how the Psalms teach us to pray. And the Psalms are so honest. Sometimes the psalmist is really mad. Like, God, I don't I don't like this. I don't want it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the psalmist is really joyful. And sometimes the psalmist is really sorrowful. And we can bring that full spectrum to God. So I think as we dig deep into a community and realize it's made up of people who are not as perfect as we are um, and will frustrate us in a thousand different mm -hmm. ways to have those days where we're like, God, like this neighbor is driving me bananas. Why is he blowing his leaves at 6 a.m. on a Saturday? What is wrong with him? And to give that to God and God might say, I'm inviting you into a hard conversation with your neighbor or God might say, I'm inviting you to lay down your pride and, and take up your cross um, and to wrestle with both of those things in an ongoing conversation with God, I think is, is part of the calling. Oh, we never yeah. arrive. Yeah, no, you're right. And so look, I mean, that's why God places difficult people in our lives too. You know, it, he doesn't always want to place us in situations that are real easy. It's easy to love people that are nice to us and love us back, but where he shows up best is in the difficulties, right? And, and the question we need to be asking is God, what are you trying to work out in my life? Because you've placed this difficult person there. Yeah. You know, because that's bringing out my flesh, right? right? And so it might be I need to take a look at my patience or my ability to, you know, be, be loving and kind. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Richard, what say you? Well, I had uh, I had a question, and uh, I do want to. What, what what part of the Northwoods uh, were you uh, you in, uh, uh, Courtney? 
Eagle River. Eagle River. Yeah, I was pretty close. I uh, I worked uh, for a couple years in Rhinelander, and so that what a beautiful area that that is. It is a great spot. Were you at Fort Wilderness? No, I, I was actually working for Bethesda Lutheran Communities, uh, working cool. with people with uh, with intellectual uh, disabilities. Mm, it's a beautiful area. I miss those leaves turning colors. It's it's magic up there in the fall. Yeah, Richard, you've moved a ton since I've known you. I mean, how how has that you know affected you and and your family? Like, was it easy to put down roots and bloom, or was it more difficult? Well, we actually lived in uh, Colorado Springs for uh, most of the time uh, that um, our kids were growing up. So, uh, okay. so I, so, I was so, pretty much rooted and then uh, <laughs> would focus on the family. I traveled a lot, but uh, but I was always yeah, maybe, home on the weekends at least. Okay, so maybe that's what I was thinking. Seems like, did you live in Minnesota ever? Yeah, I actually, uh, I actually commuted. I was uh, in uh, Minnesota and and Rhinelander uh, and and Tomahawk uh, for, um, and then I would fly home every weekend again too. But that was uh, that was for a couple of years, and that was an assignment uh, that uh, you know it it was good as far as the ministry goes, but it was also. you know, being being away uh, from uh, from your family, it's it's hard to be if you're not physically present. It's hard to be also emotionally present. Uh, do you find that too uh, in in ministry, uh, Courtney? Yeah, I think the pandemic taught us all a lot about the importance of physical connection and being in the same room. And you know, we we also we're really grateful we were able to upgrade a lot of our technology and live stream our services. We have a lot of shut-ins and folks who cannot make it to worship, but we also just realized how hungry we were to be together and and to worship together and to raise our voices and hear the person in a pew next to you singing singing that hymn that embodied presence is really important. And social media is great for connecting and keeping connected with people around the world, but there are a few things that substitute for a friend actually in the room. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, the word that's... go is a missional, uh, and you say this too, uh, is a, a missional verb that we see in uh, mission statements, uh, all the way to the Great Commission, of course. Uh, yet living in a culture that is always on the go, have we made go into something other than what Jesus meant it to be? For sure. I I love the, in the Great Commission, that Greek word actually doesn't mean like go to another country. It means as you're going about your daily life. Mm. So it's not that we're not supposed to go to all the countries in the world. Jesus says that too, Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. But also as you're going to the grocery store, as you're going to the mailbox, as you're going to pick up your children from school, as you're going to work in the morning, that is where the gospel is is preached. And you mentioned experiencing God, Rita. There's a there's a book out, a fairly recent book called Joining Jesus by Greg Finke, and it's joining Jesus on his mission. So it's not you bringing Jesus to people. It's knowing that Jesus is already at work out there. And where is God calling you to join him? And that's such a freedom. It's not, I'm going to bring Jesus. It's Jesus is already there. Mm-hmm. What a, what a, what can I be a part of? Um, and it's that posture of curiosity toward the world and wonder and openness that really helps develop our awareness. And once you start to develop this awareness, you see God at work on every corner and life becomes really exciting. It's an adventure. 
I love yeah, that we're... book, by the way. I uh, I actually was in a study on that group, uh, that book when it first came out, and it is uh, it is tremendous. It is uh, it's like Mister Rogers' ministry, basically. Uh, we are the people of your in your neighborhood, you know. So, what's the name of it again? Joining Jesus. Joining Jesus. Yeah, that's and Richard's, you know, he's always big on, um, you know, having people find their meaning and purpose. And so what better way to ignite that, right, than to look at the opportunities that are out there to join whatever it is that God's up to. Yes. And there will almost always be an area of hunger or need in your community that fits with some gifts and callings you already have. We have a church with a lot of artists and they connected with our local school that is a it's a Spanish immersion school. And they said, you know, there's this big, ugly wall. Can we paint you a mural? And the school was like, oh, my goodness, thank you so much. And this beautiful Spanish quote. And, you know, God at work sometimes looks like a mural. God at work sometimes looks like we threw a luau for the assisted living place across the street. You know, sometimes Jesus would like a luau. And so for our folks who love to throw a party, they're like, oh, I don't have to do knock-knock evangelism. I can do what I love to do and people will be blessed and Jesus will be glorified. Like, hallelujah, sign me up for that. That's a great idea. All of that. Absolutely. Well, Rita Um, and Courtney, uh, I have to uh, be the timekeeper here. This history, this erosion of, of how we got to to the place that we're at and how we can correct being present uh, and at our homes, uh, through our work and in our communities. And this was a great uh, talk about that. And I'm glad you brought up the, uh, you know, being present in your neighborhood uh, uh, book, because uh, Courtney, if you could uh, stick around and we can uh, we can do a part two. Deal. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Um, just for the listeners now, how do we get your book? You can find my book anywhere books are sold. Um, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, often the best prices directly from my publisher. So Tyndale House Publishing or Hendrickson Publishers, either of those. It's also on Audible. It's on audiobook. It's on Kindle. You can nice. call me. I'll read it to you over the phone. Whatever works. <laughs> That's great. We'll do that. We want you to read it to us. Well, thank you for taking time out of your day. And we'll look forward to having you back for another episode. And we'll continue our conversation. Great to be with you both. Before we go, we wanted you to get in touch uh, with the renewable resources from RitaSchulte.com. That's S-C-H-U-L-T-E. There you will find a link to the Sound Century Audio Network, the radio and audio publishing catalog of the media ministry and music outreach of Sound Century. I'm Richard Beatty, and for Rita Schulte, have a great week.